Well, I got a little red wine again tonight, keeping it mm. classy. This is sort of red wine hour. Like I've eaten my dinner, yeah. got a nice full tummy, got a nice uh, glass of the red wine. With uh, quarantine going on and and just being stuck at Wait, home. Wait, Quarantine? Right. And, uh, <laughs> just, you know, drinking uh, every day all the time. Um, <laughs> <laughs> my fantasy <laughs> yeah it's really not that bad uh yeah. i've been uh taking advantage of you buy six bottles of wine at the grocery store and you get the discount and so, <laughs> the lush discount yeah and and uh i would like to say that that uh lasted longer than a week but who am i kidding <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> so we've had some very nice wines around the house it's, well it's, that's uh, good yeah Welcome to Predator Minute, the podcast that breaks down the 1987 action sci-fi classic Predator one minute at a time. I'm John Zabriskie. And I am Jeff Glover. And today we're talking Minute 81 of Predator. Minute 81, in sports terms, you could find a plethora of Hall of Famers and a couple of non-Hall of Famers. You have your people like T.O. Terrell Owens, or Terrell Owens. Mm. Uh, Yeah, Tim Brown, Carl Eller. Art Monk, Jackie Smith, Calvin Johnson, Megatron, who's Megatron. not a Hall of Famer. Yeah, but maybe one day he'll be a, a Hall of Famer. Yeah. Uh, Doug Atkins, and then a cool name, who I don't think is in the Hall of Fame, Night Train Lane. Ooh, who's Night Train Lane? I don't know. It, it sounds like... <laughs> sounds a like a great name. <laughs> yes. Sounds like the coolest football name you could ever have. He once said... Jerry, there's never been a good tackle ever in the history of the league below the eyebrows. I perfected my own way of tackling people. That's when they've been over to bowl me over. I would rip them and stop it right in the tracks. That's like he should star in a 70s black exploitation film. <laughs> Starring <laughs> Nitrine Lane. And Richard Roundtree. <laughs> right. <laughs> Co-starring Pam Greer. Uh, his, his name is Richard Lane, so he's actually Dick Night Train Lane. Oh, shit. <laughs> A D-back. That just D-back got better. A back. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> what are you going to go by? Are you going to go by Night Train or are you going to go by Dick? I'd make everyone say all four names every time. <laughs> Dick Night Train Lane. so many touchdowns Mm. uh and then last but not in the hall of fame is mac alston mac 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 well done finding a mac wouldn't it be fun to call touchdowns scored by players named mac and dylan touchdown mac (laughs) touchdown indianapolis The rushing touchdown of the year. <laughs> yes. Dylan. <laughs> Dylan with six points. It'll be Hopkins. Scrolls his own number. Goes to the outside. Enzo touchdown. Dylan, Dylan. Hopkins. <laughs> <laughs> Minute 81 of Predator opens with the Predator looking at something in Predator vision. And minute 81 ends with a handheld bird's eye view shot of Dutch making his way from the shore to what can only be a giant log. Mm. Mm. The log? Maybe the log. My Maybe. theory is that's the log. 
<laughs> Might be. Uh, so carrying over from last minute, Please. we have the we have the true epiphany here, right? Yeah, we talked about this last minute. We we didn't beat around the bush, and we kind of got into what Dutch has discovered. But here we really see him have that epiphany, right? He he actually verbalizes uh, what we have all just witnessed. He's 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 finally realizing, right? What like you were saying, what we witnessed, but maybe didn't understand until he says it and does some wiping and looking, but yeah, go ahead and take us from the top. Sure. God, he is so muddy here. I'm just looking at the <laughs> video. Like he's just, his hair is just caked in it. Like uh, it's, it's almost disconcerting how muddy his hair is. Uh, all right. So we're going to break this into two parts. However, the first part is going to be almost this entire minute. The first 52 seconds or so uh, we of course carry over from last minute mm-hmm. We see the predator vision, something small and presumably warm because we can see the the red and the orange glow. The predator POV shot uh, shows a zoom in on the object as well as the three lines coming together to target the object inside uh, and then a little white triangle. We cut back to normal view of the predator's helmet as a triple laser sight beams down towards the target. Cut back to Dutch, still observing from the roots. Cut to a profile shot of the Predator, who's looking downward and aiming his laser lights. His shoulder plasma caster kind of raises up, and we get a nice shot of that. Uh, Aims towards the laser sights and fires a blast, showering Dutch with sparks. However, Dutch is not hit. The Predator kicks a log, and something runs away squealing. Some sort of rat or mole or something. Runs away from the predator. The predator kind of gurgles and clicks and looks around. His cannon sort of aiming wherever he looks. That's a cool effect we'll talk about. Dutch then exhales as he watches the predator slowly walk off, kind of bouncing down these rocks. He wipes some mud off of himself, looks at the predator, and then says, He couldn't see me. He couldn't see me. The scene fades away. That was a lot there. That was a lot there uh, in those 52 seconds. Yeah, most of that takes place in like the first 15 seconds of this minute, too. That's true. When he is uh, in predator vision, it's cutting back to Dutch watching him. He fires the laser and kicks the log. That's all in, yeah, that first 14, 15 seconds. Yeah. So right here at the beginning of the minute, we get a really cool special effects sequence, right? Mm-hmm. And we get some different types of special effects. We get, we're in predator vision, which itself is a special effect. And then in predator vision, we get the three lines zooming in from the outside of the screen to make the white triangle. And we cut back to the predator and we get a real look at his uh, laser and it's like coming out right above his eyeball on his uh, helmet skull. Yeah. And uh, this is a really cool little special effects sequence that I think, once again, like really holds up. Yeah, it totally holds up. It just It's such an awesome contrast to the environment and to the Predator itself. It's playing into the red lasers themselves are playing into that color theme we talked about. A long time ago about things being green and red mm. as your color motifs or your, yeah, your reoccurring colors in the movie. We see a little bit of green here in this scene, but that red is really playing up to that idea of like power, anger, blood. Yeah. Um, 
And when we get that shot of the three dots on his helmet and the lasers mm-hmm. coming out, like that shit looks real. Like that looks really good. And then we cut back to Dutch real quick and back to the Predator and we see the lasers in a profile coming out of his head. And then we also get this cool shot of the little, we see now that his cannon is sort of mounted to his shoulder. Mm-hmm. And we see that little cannon shift to the to the Predator's right, I guess it is. And we see it fire and we get a really cool shot of the blue sort of laser flying out of it. And uh, once again, like just a really cool sequence of special effects that holds up and, and looks really great. Yeah, uh, I think part of what uh, stands out to me looking at this effect, the shot facing him when you first see the three lasers pop out of his helmet, uh, to me, those look like real lasers. And then a couple yeah. seconds later, you see the profile view. To me, the profile view, I think those are drawn in lasers. They look a little bit more. Yeah. I don't know. Drawn in is the best way I can say it. I see agree. It. I think that's an after effect. And I, yeah, I kind of, sh- you're right. Yeah. Kind of shaky. Uh, but I do like that effect. And you're mentioning the shoulder cannon. The shoulder cannon is just wonderful. Uh, if you yeah. watch behind the scenes footage after the team has been working on this, uh, it's really neat to see Kevin Peter Hall without the mask on, but the rest of the costume on and the shoulder cannon. He's like practicing looking around and it's looking where he's looking. I don't remember the explanation of this, unfortunately, in the behind the scenes. <clears throat> I'll have to watch that for later on cannon shots. But I, I really like how it just looks everywhere he's looking, which <laughs> makes you makes you probably really wary as a predator uh, not to look you know too far <laughs> to your right and fire because then it might take your head off a la one of the characters in the new predator movie, the predator. Yeah, man. I, I'll be honest. This is something I had never noticed before until now watching it uh, minute by minute with you. It's such a cool like detail and it goes by so quickly. Like you see a little bit in that first laser cannon shot, like you see the laser move, but it's not apparent right away that it's moving because the predator's head is moving. Mm-hmm. But a couple seconds later you cut back to him and you see him looking around the jungle and he's looking down and the cannon is down and then he looks up and it moves up and he looks to the right and it moves right. That is just such an awesome little detail that they didn't have to do. It mm-hmm. probably took a while to figure out how to do it right. Uh, but it's such a cool like part of his costume and his armor and like his, like his uh, his weapons he has. I, I don't know. It's just, I was really struck by how neat that was having not noticed it before. Yeah, totally. It, it totally reminds me of a Star Wars effect, how they're all, you know, the original trilogy and the sequel trilogy uh, did a really good job of using so many practical effects, something that's there on the screen mm-hmm. for one. But for two, like also Star Warsy is the fact that this thing looks used. It doesn't look like some shiny sleek object it looks a little bit janky kind of kind of like pops up a little bit maybe after a delay we don't know and it's kind of like kind of creaking over and if you freeze frame it there before it fires i mean the thing looks like it's been beaten up it's already maybe seen some battles and it's reflecting some of the predators adventures in the jungle so far yeah that's a good point uh I i hadn't thought of that connection to star wars weapons but they share that trait where like they look like they've been shuttled around the the galaxy for a little bit and bartered with and traded. (laughs) Right. Exactly. Maybe this is the predator's 
third cannon that he's gotten from you know Chan- Cannon Bob over in Sector G. Cannon Bob, Bob Predator. Yeah. Sector Sector uh, E. EC, you know, selling those shoulder cannons at a discounted price. Exactly, exactly. Maybe haggling down a little bit, like well, I don't. Know, it could take, it take four hundred. Yeah, maybe there's like, like a shoulder cannon store. It's like furniture <laughs> stores that are always closing and on clearance. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I got someone else. I don't know. Looking at it in the afternoon. I don't know. You, yeah, I don't know. Should probably buy it now. <laughs> no, it's it's a great great looking piece of equipment for for all those reasons uh and the fact that it's just like it's connected to the predator it has like a very obvious wire coming from the back to you know connect it to the targeting system i, I love it because it's as advanced as it is it's like you can see the wires you can see yeah the the handheld parts you can see the little doohickeys the little knobs he has, he has to probably tighten or loosen depending on how well it's working you're right they make it it's futuristic but it's also realistic right Mm -hmm. like it's it's not so far futuristic that it feels like magic it just feels like a mechanical thing that they figured out to do how to do right yeah it's cool it's really cool so, I mean, it's almost like a little tiny little robot on his shoulder. It's, it's, right? it's kind of cute. <laughs> but then you have to remember like, oh, yeah, he's, he's killing some of the heroes of this movie. Boo. Predator. <laughs> oh, Predator. So then we get the uh, the shoulder wipe, right? Dutch wipes the shoulder and looks at the mud and has mm-hmm. his epiphany. And we get our only line of dialogue this minute. He couldn't see me. Hey, a dialogue minute. Dialogue minute. It is, yeah, this is the first line spoken since three minutes four minutes ago when he said get to the chopper and then get to the chopper he he got to a waterfall and then he got to some mud but yeah now he says he couldn't see me he couldn't see me he couldn't see me is that what he said yeah he couldn't see me he couldn't see me couldn't see me and and do you think that line is necessary to tell us the audience what do you think no i've always uh kind of i've gone back and forth on this like I think they could have not had any dialogue there. Mm. I think it's clear what's happening here, especially by having him wipe the mud with his fingers and look at it. I think they could have just had him done that and look back towards the predator and the sequence of events that just transpired. I, I think that makes it pretty clear as to what's going on, but you know, it's fine having it in there. It doesn't like take you out of the movie in any way, but I don't know if it's really necessary. I don't know. How do you feel about it? I think it's a good, what's that word when you, it's a good compromise between yeah. um, McTiernan and the original script. The original script have him, had him saying a lot to uh, himself and the predator who's definitely out of earshot by the time he starts yelling at him. Uh, he says, he sees differently from us. And then he says, you couldn't see me through the mud, you bastard. You were looking at me and you couldn't see me right there in front of you. You couldn't see me. <laughs> He's just yelling, you know, out towards maybe where the predator is or, you know, the predator is far away at this point. But he's just like totally trash talking. Maybe in the script they're seeing it as a, I don't know, a, a good way for him to uh, decompress a little bit from all this stress and all this tension. It's just him screaming trash talk at the predator. Yeah. See, I, I think they did a good, I think that was a, a good choice to dial it way back. My eighth grade English teacher always told me 
show the audience or show the reader. Don't tell them, just show them and you'll have a better story and it will force you to, to write more descriptively. And uh, I think this is an example of that. So thanks eighth grade English teacher. Yeah. I love those kind of challenges. Like you can do no more than this page or this half a page. Yeah. It's, it's, For one, it gives you less to grade as a teacher. So that's always nice. <laughs> always nice. And two, like you're saying, it really just forces that creativity. Can like if you really want to challenge them, here's like a six word story. Tell me a, a story in six words, and they're like, eh, 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 and then they catch on and they do some good work and really, you know, paint a little bit of a picture of a story with those six yeah. words. Yeah. So just show that he's uh he's muddy and invisible. He is muddy. John McCommentary is chiming in here with his uh, talking more about Arnold loving the physical difficulties, uh, even though this must have been no fun for Arnold. He said the mud is continually evaporating, so it made Arnold colder. And so he's chilled while they're filming this for you know an hour, six hours, however many hours a day. They're, they're, he's kind of going back and forth on his story because before he was saying that they're only filming these scenes at dusk and dusk is only going to last so long. So I imagine maybe two hours a day is like in my mind, like what they're doing Uh, for one, they would shoot Arnold with like this mud hose just continually (laughs) between the takes so that he was just covered in hilarious image to me. (laughs) Hilarious. They, the crew said it was like stuccoing a house. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Or like installing the uh, uh, insulation with the blower. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Oh man, I, I can imagine. Well, what a, what a treat though to be spraying Arnold down with mud. How fun! There's an old uh, Simpsons episode where I can't remember the context of this, but Homer is like an Egyptian pharaoh, and he's like, oh, he has all these beautiful women bringing him grapes and fruit, and he's like, "Bring me my ranch hose." Enough! I grow weary of your sexually suggestive dancing. Bring me my ranch dressing hose. (laughs) Pull up like a fireman's hose and pull the thing back and just start spraying ranch into his mouth. (laughs) Oh, man. Oh, that's the dream. Yeah. That's the dream. McTiernan also talks about Kevin Peter Hall in the costume um, being so unable to move that athletically that McTiernan had to develop this bungee rig to help pull Kevin Peter along when he's running or when he's trying to move Mm -hmm. quickly. Uh, You don't see any evidence here as he's moving away other than he seems awfully light on his feet for knowing that this is a 200 pound costume on top of probably a close to 200 pound man who's seven feet tall. But you don't notice any kind of weird special effect other than like the bounciness in my mind kind of makes it almost dreamlike or like a a nod to this being an extraterrestrial creature. Right. I I didn't know that until you told me that that was the case, that they had to rig up a little bungee system. And it makes sense because when you watch it, he's just sort of like, it's not obvious, but you're right. He's light on his feet or just kind of bouncy as he sort of bounds down these rocks away from Arnold. But it get, you're right. It gives the predator just kind of this otherworldly feel, like he's just nimble and can move around really easily, despite all of this gear that he's wearing. 
um, mm-hmm. which makes him all the more terrifying if you are Arnold, right? Oh, I yeah. do think that they are kind of, what do you think here? It seems like the video is slightly slowed down here as he bounds down those rocks. I think so. I think it's slightly slowed down. Yeah. Maybe it's to give us a better view. Maybe it's to, I don't know, give him more emphasis as he's running away and make it more dramatic. I'm not really sure. Yeah. Make it a little dreamlike. Yeah. Yeah. Cause Arnold just uh, sat there and got away with it. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I'm glad I'm not the only one to notice that it just feels a little, not quite like slow motion, but just like it's slightly slowed down a little bit. It's, yeah. it's kind of, and in this, I put this in my notes. It, it definitely reminds me not when he's standing there and shooting his laser into things, but when he's moving around, walking or running later on or swinging his arms around, uh, the predator definitely gives me some big bird kind of vibes or like that <laughs> creature from uh, big trouble in little China, like these full human size Muppets or puppets, which yeah. I think he must've been an inspiration for like Ninja Turtles later on and other things like that. Really when he's running or, you know, jumping. You talking in big trouble. Are you talking about like uh kind of the werewolfish looking monster? Yeah. The one that yeah. uh, kidnaps Kim Cattrall in the middle of the movie or yes. later on in the movie and also jumps up in the back of uh, Jack Burton's big rig with like the final line before credits. I can take it. Yes. Oh, man. It's been a long time since I've watched uh, BT in the LC. Oh, it. BT in the LC is top-notch entertainment. Oh, it's so good. It's uh, That's that's some great carpenter right there. i got to give that a rewatch. It's been at least uh, five or six years. Oh, dude. we can Netflix party that one. Oh, dude. Is it on Netflix? You know, last time I watched it, it was. So it might be a good idea to hop on that. Totally freaking Netflix party that one. I'd have yes. some who would be into that. Hell yeah. Yeah. Hmm. All right. That's our new job is to figure out if it's on Netflix. And if it's not, we need to make them put it on there so we can have a Netflix party. <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't see it currently on there, which is a bummer. But I know I've watched it on there. I feel the like past. I did too, like back in the... A while back, it was on Netflix. I think you're right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Well, Netflix, get on it. You heard it here first on the Predator Minute podcast. Bring it back. Yeah, Netflix. I know you're. I know you're listening. You're listening. <laughs> <laughs> Bring it back. Back. Mac. 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 Uh, so, some good suspenseful music here in this first part as the Predator is looking around with the laser. For sure. And then firing the laser. Um, the suspenseful music eventually ends when the Predator's body language tells you that he's given up on trying to find Dutch right here and just leaves. But up until then, it's this good, like, either sustained horns or strings. I don't really know. I'm not a musician. <laughs> but it really reminds me of, like, Hans Zimmer's scores, like in Dark Knight. I believe he did the score for Dunkirk. Does that sound right? Hans Zimmer. Yeah, he does all the Christopher Nolan movies. Yeah, that sounds about right. We could probably easily look this up, but I'm just going to say you're correct. I'm going to look it up just to (laughs) be on the the right side of things and not just (laughs) always guess, which, Mm. you know, that's not bad either. Uh, 2017 music by Hans Zimmer. I I think I never watched that movie, but everything I hear tells me Mm. that the score played 
such a huge role in the viewing experience with these tense, really long, drawn out yeah. moments where the the music is just heightening the experience with it never relieves or it never breaks that tension. Yeah. Dunkirk to me, I've only watched it once. It's a very good film. It it'll probably be a while before I revisit it because it's kind of like to me it was a lot like 2001 a space odyssey where there's a lot of really long shots and the music is really important and to appreciate the film you really have to like sit back settle in turn off all the lights turn up the sound and just sort of let the film kind of envelop you and in that respect it's really great but you can't just sort of casually put it on you know it has to be a bit of a, a an event yeah, so it's neat to hear, you know, Hans Zimmer contemporary here and Alan Silvestri uh, trying out similar methods. And I don't know that Hans Zimmer was necessarily doing these kind of long sustained um, notes or pieces of the score at, you know, during movies uh, in the 80s. Yeah, well, we're going to get a lot of uh, minutes here as we move forward where the score is going to kind of carry the mood for us, right? Because mm-hmm. there's not a whole lot of dialogue here. And. And so we're just going to have the score kind of helping us along as we watch Arnold and the Predator um, circle each other for a bit. We'll see if the score can uh, keep up with the the brawny, gritty wit of Dutch and the relentless hunter <laughs> that he's facing off against. Uh, we'll, we'll see if it if it you know keeps performing as it's performed all movie. I hope so. I I predict so. <laughs> um, but this. Uh, Last thing I'll talk about with this section is that this is in the TV tropes, what is known as the Eureka moment when he realizes that the predator cannot see him because he's covered in mud. This is the moment in which all complex problems are solved by a sudden epiphany, a sudden realization, aha moment. We call that in literature. Yeah. So, and we touched on this last week, but this is the actual moment that he, and confirms it with the audience that uh, he is disguised by the mud. He couldn't see me. Yeah, I, I threw out some other examples, and feel free to jump in with any feedback or other examples that you uh, can think of. No, this is a good list. Thanks. Yeah. Thanks. There's, it's there's a wide variety of films here. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you hit the TV trope for Eureka Moment, and it is page after page yeah. of uh, examples from all different medium. Right. I mean, it's a pretty common uh, uh, vehicle uh, to use in a film, right? Or uh, yeah. a device, I should say, not vehicle, but a common device to use in a film. And yeah. it's usually some kind of turning point because the main character or someone else realizing something is um, sometimes, and hopefully that's the case with this movie and other movies when you see it, but uh, it's, I think, most enjoyable for the audience when they're realizing something when the person is realizing it, too. Yeah. Uh, because sometimes the character is realizing something that we already know, and that's not that exciting. But when we're realizing this, watching this for the first time, that he is invisible because of the mud, I, it's it's a really fun discovery. And it really opens up your mind to think about, okay, well, if he's invisible, then this is going to lead to you know, later confrontations maybe more in his advantage or at least giving him a chance during the later confrontations at the very least kind of levels the playing field a bit. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
So what what are some of the other examples that you uh, came up with here or found on well, the TV tropes? From this movie alone, earlier in the movie, Dylan, 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 Dylan. Because some damn fool accused you of being the best. Dylan, 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 Dylan. Dylan, Dylan has the line saying they did the same thing to Jim Hopper they when they're Jim Hopper uh, when they're realizing um, that the predator did something to Hawkins very reminiscent to what they found with Hopper. Even though they never found Hawkins' body, uh, they know that whatever killed Hopper and his men also just left the equipment and took the body or did something with the body. Hopper. What? They did the same thing to Jim Hopper. Just bodies. Just bodies. Just bodies. Uh, Also, Dutch earlier in the movie, not too long ago, has a eureka moment when... Billy answers his, he's killing us off one by one. Billy says, like a hunter. And Mm -hmm. Dutch has this total Spielbergian face as he has a eureka moment that they're being hunted. He's killing us one at a time. Like a hunter. Mm. So jumping outside of this movie, you have the Finkel is Einhorn scene in Ace Ventura. <laughs> one of the one of the classic God, what is his name? I can't Jim Carrey. One of the classic Jim Carrey uh just physical acting uh moments. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he burns the clothes, he's plunging his own face, he's gagging himself. The that movie that has uh not aged terribly well. Uh, no, no. A little, little hashtag problematic there, but uh, yeah, a little transphobic, a little yeah, <laughs> yeah sexist, a little everythingists. But that uh, that scene there is pretty funny when he realizes. <laughs> yeah, can't, can't deny it. <laughs> what the? That's it. That's it. Einhorn is Finkel. Finkel is Einhorn. Einhorn is a man. Oh my God. Einhorn is a man. Uh, and it is done in the classic, like looking at an old picture realization. It, right, right. For some reason, that really tickles my fancy seeing that in the movie. Someone looking at a picture. And putting all the pieces together by looking at a picture. I, 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 for some reason, that just isn't the dog's hair kind of flop over. And oh, over. right. It's like Finkel is Einhorn. Or you're like, what? Einhorn is Finkel. <laughs> um. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, let's see. Die Hard 2 gives us Bruce Willis realizing that the blanks, mm. sorry, Bruce Willis realizes that the guns that were being fired by who he thought was on his side were actually filled with blanks. He, you know, shoots Dennis Franz or in Dennis Franz's uh, direction, but it's filled with blanks. And you know what else? You're under arrest, you motherfucker. This is Chief Lorenzo. I want every officer recalled and assembled in body armor and full weaponry in the motor pool in five minutes. It's time to kick ass. Um, that scene kind of bothered me always because like Bruce Willis is just going to be filled with holes right there. Right. They're going right. to shoot back and take him right down. Like, no, it's cool. It's blanks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, Dogma has a good scene where I don't remember who, I think it's Linda Fiorentino. Is that her name? Is, is that who's in that movie? Oh, the main character in Dogma. Yeah. The main Sounds character. Right. She hears 
Jay say something about making a profit and then she's connecting it to what I think the Metatron told her earlier about the profits. Now, how about that shit? Fuck this town, man. I'm going back to Jersey and starting up the business again. I could kick the shit out of little kids in Red Bank and make myself a profit. Profits. Two. You know what I'm saying, You gotta be kidding me. She's like, you can't be serious. And it's, yeah, it's profit versus profit. Have right. that eureka moment. Angel, Nicholas Angel in Hot Fuzz, figuring out the killer's identity. I'm not going to spoil that, but I had to throw that in there because it's one of my favorite one movies. One of your faves, yeah. One of my faves. Uh, let's see. David's dad telling him he might catch a cold in Independence Day and then realizing we have to upload a virus to the mothership in Independence Day. I totally <laughs> forgot about that. Get off this freezing concrete floor before you catch a cold. Come on. What did you say? You mean about faith? Well... You see, a man can leave his pilot. I don't want you to catch cold. That piece of plot until I read this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Classic. Classic yeah. scene. Classic. Where was I? Oh, uh, Interstellar. You have Matthew, Matthew McConaughey Clay. realizing the connection uh, with uh, Murph that he has. I'm not going to spoil that, but. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good one. Yeah. Is that another. That's another Hans Zimmer movie. There you go with the hey. long drawn out score. Uh, Major League. That's when Rick Vaughn's uh, eyesight problem is detected when he's squinting at guess what? A picture that the manager is directing him to look at. I love Major League. Vaughn, <laughs> give him the heater, Ricky. Give him the heater, Ricky. <laughs> <laughs> Get about the curveball, Ricky. Give him the heater. So I'd say that a lot as a baseball coach. Yeah. <laughs> Do you also like uh, throw down the contract and pee on it when you don't like? <laughs> yeah, and I rip off the clothes of the the manager's picture as we right. win yeah. games. Yeah. <laughs> oh, what you do in little league, right? This is uh, junior high, by the way. So all this is yep on the table. <laughs> uh, planes, trains, and automobiles. You have the sad John Candy moment towards the end, where he, uh, Steve Martin is thinking about his line about he hasn't been home in years and years mm. and years. I've been spending too much time away from home. I've been home for years. Oh, so sad. Mm-hmm. Uh, then I had to throw the Space Jam in there because, you know, it's it's Michael Jordan quarantine time. I, apparently, everybody's watching this Michael Jordan documentary, The Last Dance. Are you watching it? No, because I don't. I mean, I don't really follow sports that much anymore. It's just not a, not oh. a thing. But have you been watching it? Yeah, dude, you got to watch it. It's okay. It's, I'll watch it's it. Really, it's really good. Like, <laughs> because especially for the age that we are, like mm-hmm. when we were in junior high and in the early nineties, like Michael Jordan was king of the world. And, uh, mm-hmm. you kind of, for, I kind of forgot like a lot of the details about sort of his career and the games that they won and the way that things happened. And God, the way this documentary is structured and put together, is so damn good. Um, yeah, they've, they, uh, on s- this last Sunday from on the day that we're recording, they just released episodes five and six and I watched them today, uh, while I was taking care of the kids and my God, they're so good. So oh. I'm looking forward to them every week. Like I know you're a sports fan. 
you don't have to be an MJ fan. Like as a sports fan, you will enjoy this documentary series. It's just incredibly well done and fun to watch. Yeah. Yeah. All the, all the sneakerheads I follow on YouTube talk about it and they just have posters up with MJ and they just, yeah, they love Jordan. It's so good. You just sort of forget how dominating he was like, Mm -hmm. You know, as time goes by, people are like, oh, maybe Kobe was the greatest, the GOAT. You know, maybe LeBron was the GOAT. No, it was Jordan. And like Mm -hmm. undeniable when you go back and look at what he did. Like, it's crazy. It's fun. It's a it's a fun trip down memory lane. And it's just a really well done story or documentary as well. So highly recommend it. There's an early recommend for everybody. Ooh, early wreck. Look at Mm. you. You're not even in the, the theme music yet. (laughs) <laughs> uh, but I, I brought up Space Jam because there's a, there's actually a couple of Eureka moments. Uh, I'm only going to mention one. My favorite Eureka moment is when MJ sees Bugs Bunny stretch out Daffy Duck and he realizes that, oh, they're like in tune rules. I can do that. Oh, anybody could do that, Doc. Even you. Watch this. No sweat. This is Looney Tune Land. And so that lets him stretch his arm out to score the winning basket. And so that's something that stood out to me when I was watching Space Jam for the umpteenth time with the kids the other day. I have a confession to make. Yeah. I've never seen Space Jam. <laughs> How have you never seen Space Jam? I've never seen Space Jam. <laughs> oh, man, you say you're like, we're like the perfect days. We would have been, God, what is that? That's like 96, I think. 97. I know. I don't know. I've never seen it. I don't know how or why. I've just never seen it. I think when it came out, I was like, I'm not going to watch Space Jam. It's a kid's movie. I'm a teenager. And then as I got older, I was like, why am I going to watch Space Jam now? (laughs) Right, right. I mean, I think it's a perfect pairing with The Last Dance. Yeah, right. I mean, I'm sure they're going to cover it at some point. I'm going to have to watch it just to fill in the gaps. I'd write, I'd write, I would early wreck that one too, just as a watch with the kids because it's so short and breezy. I think it's like eighty minutes, maybe. Oh, that's nice. <laughs> that's a nice kids movie right there. Yeah, there's 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 some good basketball action, and you have some bad acting, some good bad, some good bad <laughs> right. acting from like Charles Barkley, Larry Bird, Muggsy yeah. Bogues, yeah, Sean Bradley, Larry Johnson, Larry Johnson, Larry Johnson, Larry Grandma Johnson, Grandmama, and Patrick Ewing. Mm, of course. Where where were we? Do we have we not talked about the last seven seconds of this minute yet? No, we we're finishing talking about Eureka moments. Did, could you think of any Eureka moments that um, popped into your brain? Ah, uh, I'm sure I could come up with a good list. Um, thinking about Arnold movies, uh, Total Recall has a Eureka moment, kind of when he. Uh, first turns on the the video and sees a video of himself talking to himself. Um, (laughs) That's a good Eureka moment. That's when you and him, uh, you in the audience and Arnold in the movie realize that something crazy is going on where a former version of himself is now guiding himself through the movie. And that's kind of a turning point in the film. So I think that's a good Eureka moment. That's a good line too. He's like, I am you because yeah. no shit. No shit. <laughs> now, whatever your name is, get ready for the big surprise. You are not you. You're me. No shit. <laughs> what is a great <laughs> line delivery. Oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> it's like poetry. It rhymes. Yeah. 
Oh, speaking of which, may the fourth be with you. Oh, may the fourth be with you, my friend. Thanks. I have not watched a Star Wars movie today. I've dropped the ball. Well, there's still time. It's still. That's true. I'll put it. Uh, I'll, I'll extend the May the Fourth uh, through the week. Maybe I'll, I'll throw a couple on during this week. All right, well, you're on. Yeah, yeah. So you want to take us from the second top of the last seven oh. seconds? Yeah, this is a quick seven seconds here, but uh, we um, quickly let's see. We fade into a kind of a bird's eye view shot of Dutch, who's walking across a log away from the river shore. And that is the end of the minute. That's it. Mm-hmm. Good mm. use of the fade here. We don't have a lot of fades in this movie as it fades from Dutch Eureka-ing to yeah. Dutch now kind of walking, I think, towards the big concrete log we've already seen with uh, Billy on it with a matte painting under it. Yeah, we're that's got to be the log. log. I think that's it. Yeah. It's a well-done log. If that's artificial log, oh, just hats off to the production crew. <laughs> right. Yeah, it's looks a good log. Gnarly, looks <laughs> fallen, dead with like the parasite branches growing off of it. But that brings the minute to a close. I don't have a whole lot else to say about the log, but uh, I think the log will have more time to shine as we move through the uh, mostly dialogue-free portion of this movie. Yeah. Well, have we done it? Have we done this minute justice? The question I always ask. Yeah, let me see real fast. Yeah, that's it. Hmm. So, <laughs> did you just yeah. enhance? <laughs> enhance. Enhance. <laughs> just print the goddamn page. <laughs> uh, so, what do you have to recommend for the listeners this week, Jeff? Oh, man. You know, uh, I know. I know. I, uh, you know, I know I'm way behind on this, but I just saw the Lego movie for the first time. <laughs> And holy shit, the Lego movie is funny as hell. It is seriously so good and so funny, and my kids love it. Um, and so I'm just going to throw that out as a little preliminary recommend. Like, if you got kids, or even not, watch the Lego movie. That shit is funny. Uh, yeah, I'd never seen it. Um, I will also recommend another uh, oldie but a goodie, but um, I watched because it popped up on Amazon Prime in uh, ultra high definition um, the movie District 9 have you ever mm. seen Nine? I did yeah I like that one yeah District 9 is one that I've seen a couple times and I've it's always stuck out in my mind as being a, a really fun one so I rewatched it just last night um, and yeah it holds up uh, I mean it's only about 10 years old but um, if you've never seen District 9 it's um kind of a sci-fi action movie and it's about uh, an alien spaceship arrives on the planet earth and is hovering over johannesburg the city of johannesburg and is just chilling there and eventually the alien uh species that's inside the spaceship come out and it sort of turns into a sort of refugee camp situation where the aliens are kind of living inside these fenced walls in decrepit situations. And a lot of uh, interesting parallels can be made uh, in socio-political sense to uh, the alien race that's sort of encamped in this uh, area. And we follow a character who's working for kind of a giant evil corporation whose job it is to 
move the refugee camp of aliens to a different uh, position. This all sounds really crazy as I'm saying it out loud. Um, but when you watch the film, it's done so well and the special effects are really cool. Um, it's a movie I come back to every couple of years. So check out District 9. It was directed by Neil Blomkamp, mm-hmm. who has a history of making sort of high concept films that unfortunately have not always been great. He, he also made uh, Chappie and Elysium, which were interesting movies, but kind of flawed. And I think of all of the films he has done, District 9 is, is by far the best where like his concept really kind of landed well. So yeah, there it is, District 9. Check it out again if you, if you must. Uh, it was really fun to watch. All right. Yeah. So there we right, go. All right, all right. That's me rambling on about District Nine. Yeah, no, I, I, yeah, did a good job summing it up. That's yeah. much better than I can do. <laughs> it does sound crazy when you start explaining it. <laughs> yeah, just yeah, it, it is a little bit crazy. Yeah, yeah. All right, well, what do you got for us this week, John? More shoes? Uh, yeah, I've definitely ordered more shoes, but that's not. <laughs> that's besides the well, point. Most ultra boost, but that's to be expected. It's kind of my coping mechanism these days. Sure. Yeah. Right. Like, it's like how I buy six bottles of wine a week. It's right. <laughs> some people, some people don't skip wine day, and some people uh, buy shoes. But I never, I never skip wine day, John. <laughs> I love that. That's a great, great video or GIF or whatever where she's doing curls, and I'm like, why are you posting workout videos? It's so unlike you. Like, oh, right. I see. There's a giant bottle of booze at the end like what a reward exercise i don't exercise (laughs) (laughs) i I don't know if i've recommended this in the past but i'm going to if i did re-recommend the star wars series clone wars oh i believe you did but uh do it again yeah i know i've recommended rebels because it has an awesome through line story that carries from one episode to the next maybe that's what i'm thinking of it might be i don't know it's all animated star wars so <laughs> you know may the fourth be with you this is you part go. of why i'm recommending it but I, I picked up clone wars after a long hiatus of not watching episodes for a couple months um and i'm really glad i did because um i think i'm at season four yeah i'm in season four out of seven they just finished i think the last season the seventh season um, Mm. over the weekend i believe so i'm trying to catch up to watch that and to listen to blast points break down the different episodes of season seven um but what i noticed them start doing a lot better in season four is now they're doing a lot better at creating these bigger story arcs where they're like four episodes five episodes of telling one singular Clone War story. And sometimes the Jedi are involved, but honestly, some of the best storylines are the ones where the Jedi aren't involved. I tend to like more the war portion of Star Wars and less like the mystical Jedi versus Sith kind of battles. Mm. Um, And Clone Wars really, really satiates me there. It really shows an appreciation for like the terribleness of war and how much like soldiers depend on each other and they need to have good leadership to um, lead them to victory. Um, I'm saying these kinds of things because one, like the best little mini arc I saw 
was at the beginning of season four, towards the beginning of season four, it starts on the episode Darkness on Umbara, and it ends with the Carnage of Krell. So that's a what, one, two, three, four episode arc where the clone troopers led by this four-armed Jedi are trying to take down these forces, these, in, what is it, incumbent, these native forces on this planet, but they're being led by this, I don't know, this this terrible person of a general hmm. uh, or terrible creature, whatever, terrible personality of a general. And you just like, it's because you don't have like the main characters, it builds that tension a lot better, in my opinion, because you don't know what's going to happen to the characters. I just felt myself really like rooting for certain clones, even though they all look the same and sound the same. They have, you know, slightly different personalities and different characteristics. Uh, and yeah, I, I recommend for at least season four of Clone Wars. Hmm. There you yeah. go. May the fourth be with you. Hey, always. May the fourth be with you. Nice. All right. Well, so, well did we yeah, do it? We're, we're, I think we uh, did it for recommends and breaking down the minutes. So, Jeff, where can people find you? You can find me on the Twitter sphere. Mm-hmm. I am Carl underscore Hungus 314. Jeff Glover, come follow me there. My name is Carl Ishbin Expert. Okay, I'll, I'll do that. I'll follow you do again. That. I'll unfollow, yeah. follow, unfollow, follow. It just, it'll just, yeah. Over and over Keep again. Going. Over and over. You'll receive lots of notifications. <laughs> you can stop now. Uh, you can find Predator Minute at Predator Minute. On Twitter, you can email the show, PredatorMinute at gmail.com, and you can join that ever-growing, always welcoming group on Facebook, the Predator Minute listeners, Palapa. Target the center of the Palapa. Target the center of the Palapa. Target the center of the Palapa. Thanks, ghost of Dylan. 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 (laughs) So for all things Predator Minute 81, I've been John Zabriskie. And I am Jeff Glover. And until next time, stick around. Stick around. Stick around. Can't see me. He couldn't see me. I can see me, but he can't see me. He can't see me. (laughs) I'm not invisible, am I? Oh my God, I'm invisible. It's an existential crisis. (laughs) Am I alive? Oh, much different movie if he just goes down the rabbit hole of not knowing if he's alive or a ghost. Yeah, or at the end, he just wakes up. (laughs) 